Yes, Lord. Say it with me. Yes, Lord. <laughs> that's really that's really the heart of it all. How you doing? So far, so good. How many of you are fatter than you were four days ago? <laughs> wow, there was so much food. How many of you have had leftovers at least once? Okay, good. Well, uh, the fridge probably still has food in it, so enjoy yourself in that, and I think uh, we're having a lot of fun. Well, we're really glad that you're here. I want to take a minute and welcome Windsor. It is great to have all of you here, and hope you're enjoying your weekend. It's just been a good Thanksgiving, and I think we can all rejoice in the, what God has done in our lives. We are in this series, and we're, we're, we're trying to catch the wind. We're trying to put the sails up, and we're trying to say, God, please help us to hear your voice. When you speak to us, help us to hear what you are trying to say. I, uh, I love this series. If you're new to Timberline and you're a guest uh, here or Windsor, we just want to say we're in the middle of the book of Acts. We're going verse by verse through this, I call it the hinge book of the New Testament. You have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you have this hinge. And it's where everything happens. Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit comes, and all these churches are planted. And then after the book of Acts are all the letters that are written, giving people instruction. So we're reading everything that's happening that frame the church. And especially today, this weekend, we're seeing something really, really important. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different here. No, it's not your Christmas present. That will come later. Okay, I have a box here that I just want to leave sitting here for a while because I'm going to come back to it later. But I want to just say to you, what what is it that's in the box? Anybody know? You really wouldn't have any way of knowing, would you? Um, But but I'm just going to say this: we've put God in a box. And I want you just to have that in your mind as we walk through this message because God doesn't really like it in the box. But He's in the box. You have Him in a box. You say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> no, I don't. You probably do. None of us think we do. But I, I know I have God in a box. I have expectations. I have certain things. I'm coming back to that later. How many of you have ever gone back and traced your genealogy, your history? You're trying to figure out where you came from. Um, that's always an interesting thing. We, we have a story this weekend that if you are not Jewish, Acts 10 should be one of your favorite chapters in the Bible. You know why? Because it's where Gentiles received the gospel. It's where people who were non-Jewish were allowed into this amazing thing called salvation. We often don't think of ourselves as ever being excluded from that. But we really were not included until this chapter. And everything happens and and it's revealed to the disciples through Peter and this vision that we're about to look at that God actually loves the Gentiles too. And I'm really happy about that. So let's enjoy this. Let's dive in and let's think about all of this. Number one in your outline, if you have a program with you, turn it over the back and uh, follow along. Can I assume that God is at work? It's a question. And in, in as you live your life, can, can you live every day with an assumption that says God is at work somewhere in the world and possibly even in my life? Well, 
Let's go to Acts chapter 10. And um, you can just leave your Bible open there if you want to. Because I'm just going to go verse by verse through a lot of this. In Caesarea there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius. Who was a captain of an Italian regiment. He was a devout God-fearing man. And he was, and as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and he prayed regularly to God. One afternoon about three o'clock he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers, note this, your prayers and gifts to the poor. Isn't that ironic? Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. See, we have this crazy account here where out of the blue, God gives this guy named Cornelius a vision And he reaches out to him, and he's about to reveal himself in a really big, big way. A couple observations I want you to have about this. No one told Cornelius about the gospel. No one was preaching to him. Nothing was happening. He simply was a devout man trying to do the right thing. He was, it was part of his routine, and it got God's attention. And it just caused me to ask some questions. Does my routine... Does my routine in my life, my day-to-day, Monday through Sunday, my routine, does it get God's attention? The, the two things were his prayers and his giving to the poor and helping the poor. I think those components right there get God's attention. That's why as a church, we are always going to be about prayer and, and meeting people's needs. That is essential to why we are on the earth. But God just blows into his household and sends an angel to talk to him. And all of a sudden Cornelius is afraid because he's probably never had this happen before. And then he's given direction from the Holy Spirit as to what to do. This is catching the wind. This is exactly like the stuff we want to talk about. And we've been talking about in this series. This is encouraging me. Here's why. Because God can speak to anybody, anytime. Whether it's in your box or not. God has a way of being God, and I'm really glad about that. The second thing I want you to write down is, will I listen thoroughly to God? Will I really pay attention to God? Will I really listen to what He has to say? So let's look at verse 9, and let's see what happens. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And this would be kind of like a dream, uh, a vision. He was alone. And he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners, almost like a, a net. In the sheet, this is important, were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said, get up, Peter, kill them and eat them. No, Lord. Last week we talked about Ananias saying, yes, Lord. And then he said, but, Lord. And now we we have this this direct, no, Lord. Why is Peter so afraid? Let me just read this. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. 
The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, some men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying here. Talk about ironic. Talk about everything happening at one time. Think about the timing of God and the complexity of this story. And yet God is in control. Cornelius had to send the men to the house by the sea. And they happened to get there at the same time when God was working on Peter. How many of you know that God can work on both sides of, this, of, the, of the family? <laughs> he can work on both ends of the stick. God is busy over here talking to you, and he's busy over here talking to someone else because he's planning a meeting. You don't even know it yet, but he's at work. That's why we can't put him in here. Because we don't always know. Matter of fact, we rarely know what God is up to. Would you agree with that? I rarely know what he's really up to. They had no clue. The timing. Then the content of Peter's vision. You guys, this would be, this would be like God showing up and asking you to commit a sin. I mean, it's that strong. Peter, his whole life from the time he's a baby, has grown up in a religion that has taught him that you do not eat any of these things that are in that net. You don't even touch them. And so, boom, he says, no, Lord, because he thinks that that's what God would want him to say. He has this idea of God that isn't accurate. Why? Because of the way he's grown up his whole life, everything he's been taught. And he can't see it. He just can't see the picture that God wants him to see. And he argues, and three times God gives this vision to him. There's a struggle to obey. Guys, we still live in this tension of trying to really obey God and do what he says, especially when it comes to stuff that we're just not certain about. But may our routines be filled with moments of the Spirit. That's how all this started. So Peter goes up on the rooftop to pray. Cornelius, this angel shows up because he prays and he cares for the poor. God brings them together. Now this gets exciting. Ready? God may, number three in your outline there, God may spin me in ways that I would never think of. God, God might have, if you knew what, what your life was going to have in it a year from now, you might freak out. You just don't know what God might be up to right now. And he's preparing both sides of this. And so, meanwhile, verse 19, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, you better believe he is, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Okay, he's still on the rooftop. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I've sent them. How, how crazy is this stuff? So Peter has this amazing vision about this unclean animals that he's supposed to kill and eat. And then God says, you have some guests, go downstairs, go with them. He doesn't even know where they're going. This is catching the wind. Sometimes you have to follow that trail. It's like catching a scent and, and a bird dog catching a scent and going boom, 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 boom through the woods. And he follows that trail. Catching the wind means I am willing to follow the scent of God's Spirit in my life toward the hungry, toward the poor, toward the need, toward the abused, toward whoever it is in my life. I'm saying, yes, Lord, I will go. I will do what you're asking me to do. Peter is going with them only because the Spirit prepared him. 
And that's something we need to know. God's going to help prepare you for the task that lies ahead in your life that you might not even know exists right now. So we, made, we need to remain sensitive to the leading in the Spirit. Okay, number four. This is fascinating. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. So all this stuff happens in the household, and we get down to verse 44, and it says, Even as Peter was saying these things, he's basically sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Let's face it, they hated each other. And without God, there would be no reconciliation. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. What is this idea of the Spirit falling upon them? This is the kind of language that confuses people because nothing fell on them physically like, like a weight of any kind. Remember in Acts 2, it says the Spirit came upon them and, and baptized. they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. It, they were empowered to be witnesses on the earth. That's happening again in Acts 10. It's going to happen again in Acts 19. What is going on with this? There's a unique thing that happens here when the Spirit of God is speaking a language through believers that they do not even understand as they speak it. And many people have thrown out speaking in tongues as something that no longer is needed or necessary. But I think that's because many Pentecostal churches have made it scary and weird. But it doesn't have to be that way. This was a wonderful gift given to the church and given to the believers. Paul gives all kinds of instruction to the church at Corinth. If you want to read about it, go to 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. All kinds of instruction about this. Seek God with all your heart and don't be afraid to say, Lord, I need this empowerment in my life. But please note this. No one told them to speak in tongues. And no one taught them how to speak in tongues. The Spirit filled them and fell upon them. And the result was that they spoke in tongues. Let's learn this. Be open to spirit empowerment. Don't put God in a box and say, that'll never happen to me. Or that's gone away now. Don't put him in there. It's amazing how many people get freaked out about spirit baptism or spirit empowerment. But the Lord just wants you to have empowerment to live your life on this earth. Well, let's look at number five. Because this is kind of where I want to spend a little bit of time. Am I willing to see the God-sized story? Because that's, that's how this is shaping out. The God-sized story is always bigger than my little view, my viewpoint. Chapter 11. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea and the Gentiles that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and you even ate with them, they said. This shows you how big it was. These are people who have the gospel. They are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And they are criticizing Peter for even walking in that house. Because it was not a Jewish home. This was against their law. It was against their practices. And probably none of them in that room had ever done that before. 
So Peter, poor guy, think about this. He's showing up trying to explain what happened and this vision he had on the rooftop. And then these three guys come to his house. And then they invite him to the house of Cornelius. And this whole story is this bigger picture of God. Because God wanted to break through and do something outside of the box. You know, there's some interesting things about the box. Let's just talk about it for for just a second here. Um, First of all, it's a limited space. Right? If you, you could pack this until it's full, and then it's full. And you can't fit anything else in it. Well, that isn't, that's not what God is like. God is ever-expanding. And so another thing about a box is that it's, it's closed outsiders. You know, you can close this box up, and what's in it is in it. But that's not true with God. Sometimes we decide that we can take it or leave it. You can put it away. How many of you know some people just take God when it's convenient? But they put God away when they don't want Him there. I remember I remember in junior high we had this big... Um, can I just say it? In, in junior high class at, at church in our youth group, I think it was like 8th or ninth grade, we had like the sex talk. And... All of us kids, I still remember, man, we are just so excited for this night when they're going to talk about dating and all this stuff. And, and I remember one of the teachers, this was like a month-long series, you know, attendance records were broken. Um, you talk about that, it's, it's amazing. But, but I remember one of the teachers put on a, a little note, and he put, someday you guys are going to be able to drive a car. And when you're driving a car and you're on a date, it's possible that there will be no one else with you. And there are going to be some moments when you are tempted to do some things that probably are not the wisest things to do. And so he pulled out this paper, and he drew these eyes and this smile, and he put Jesus across the bottom. And he said, this is going to go right on your mirror, and Jesus is going to watch everything that you do in the car." I would rather put Jesus in a box and put him away if I want to do something that I don't want him to see me doing. But that isn't how it works. So God says, open the box. Let me out. So we say, well, this is really hard for me. I've never really done this before. Okay, I guess I'll not put you in a box. You can come out now. But here's how we let God out of our box. It's kind of like, it's kind of like we, we just can't handle the fact that we don't really know what's going on or we're really not in control of the situation. And so we say, okay, God, you're free to move around. Help yourself. Take a nice little hike. But then we want to put him back. Why? Because we don't understand just how big God is. We don't understand. We have so many religious practices that God must just shake his head about. There's so many things, the junk that's piled on top of theology and all the things that people believe and the superstitions that come with it. And all of a sudden we just get God and he's all crammed up in a box and this passage just opens the box. They cannot believe Peter was a part of going into Cornelius' household. They cannot believe he ate with them. That's why they were so stunned when Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. They went into their homes. 
You guys, I just want to say, let's release each other to be witnesses on this earth. Let's release each other not to sin, but to be empowered by the Spirit to catch the wind in moments when God is putting you in a relationship that you need to have discussions with, that God wants to pour you out into this community, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. God has a plan for who you are and what you're doing. That's the God-sized story. Let God out of the box. He's working in places we can't imagine. You know, we've had a lot of people at Timberline through the years that found the Lord in prison. And they've come out. They've gotten into a halfway house. They have a program where they can come to church here. And they've heard the gospel. Or they came to faith in the prison. I was praying with a mom not too long ago who was weeping right up here because her son was going to court and he was going to face jail time. And I can remember with confidence, I felt like the Holy Spirit just put it in my heart. If he ends up behind those bars, it might be the very best thing that could ever happen to him. Why? Because God is there. Right? But see, we don't want that for anybody, and I wouldn't. And I I don't know the rest of the story, but I know this. God is in there. God cares about the hurting and the bruised and the wounded. He cares about those who are incarcerated. You say, well, those are bad people. No, there's some great people in there that made some big mistakes. But God sees their potential. And sometimes the very person you have given up on is the very one God is chasing down. So let's be careful about our judgments. I, uh, I caught a mouse not very long. How many of you ever caught a mouse in the mousetrap? So fun, isn't it? Just They're just, oh, creepy. You want to get them out of your garage or out of your house or wherever they are, you just want them out. But think about, think about life as a mouse. You are confined to this little space called the garage. Let's call it the garage. And if you don't get out when the garage door opens, you're stuck in there. You probably want to be in there when it's cold like this weekend, Right? But did you know a mouse, its entire life usually never goes more than about a quarter of a mile around, even if it's in the field, not trapped in a garage or house? That's the extent of its life. And I started thinking about our lives as compared to the God-sized picture. I think sometimes I'm like running around like a little mouse in my little world, in my little area, with my little family, with our little community here called Fort Collins, and our little world and our piece of the pie in Colorado. And it's beautiful and it's awesome. And then we expand it to America. It's still very small compared to the universe and the galaxies we know nothing about. And God sees all of that at a glance. So, I've never wanted to ask you to view yourself as a little mouse, but maybe it would be good for a moment to just ask the question, do you want to live confined in a little space, or do you want God to breathe, and you catch the wind, and you lift the sail, and you go on the adventure that God has you to go on? The last point I want to make is this. Will I, in fact, rejoice with changes that I could not foresee? Will I be happy about it when the Gentiles, in, in, their, in their minds, they, had, they were not happy about this. 
But look at what happened. After Peter explains the whole story, you jump down to verse 18 in chapter 11. It says this. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and they began praising God. I love that verse. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles. I mean, they're, they're basically saying, can you believe this? The privilege of repenting of their sins. And we know they have a lot of them. And receiving eternal life. I'm sure there's someone that says, we're going to be in heaven with them? This is weird. What happened? God came out of the box. God was trying to surprise them. God, listen. Be okay when God surprises you. I'm amazed at all the things I've seen as a pastor that people have got in a box with. Little things. I had someone leave our church because we allowed coffee into this room. How can you let coffee come into the sanctuary? I got news for you. God doesn't live in this building. God lives in this building. The Spirit lives in this temple. And I put coffee in there every morning. Right? Right? What happened? What happened to that person? They got stuck. They got stuck in some religious ideology that limits God. And that's not what we're called to. Listen, you do not have God figured out. You do not own a corner of the market. We need to humbly open our hands and arms and say, God, I don't know. Listen, He is bigger than you can comprehend ever. God is smaller than you realize. He can become personal to anybody. God is smarter than we give Him credit for. God is working in people that we have given up on. God is still in control of the universe. God is not worried about the future. God is reachable by anyone who calls on His name. And God loves people that you despise. God has a plan for your life and everyone else's life. Pray with me, would you? Lord, thank you that you are not confined to the box. Thank you that your hope is for all the world. And thank you that in moments like this, we can recognize that. I thank you for that. God, thank you for not being caught off guard, for not being surprised, but for opening this gospel to me to the Gentiles and to the nations. We are grateful for that, Lord. We trust you. You know, in a prayer moment like this, I just want you to respond from your heart to the Lord if you feel prompted on a Thanksgiving weekend. How many of you would just lift a hand based on the title of this message and say, I need a new day. I just need... I need a refresh button. I need a restart. I I need God to come and breathe into my life. I'm tired. I'm tired of doing this by myself. If that's you, just say that to Him right now. Just say, Lord, I want a new day. I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start today. God will give you that. God wants to give you that. And God wants you to know the joy of the Lord and the personal fulfillment that comes with bearing His name and walking in obedience to Him. How many of you, secondly, you say, I need empowerment in my life. I'm afraid. I'm weak. I'm 
I'm worried all the time. I feel frail. And where's the boldness? Where's the where's that something in you of the spirit that makes the, the hair on the back of your neck stand up and say, you know, it's not okay. This is where I believe in. This is what I'm going to do about it. And this is how I'm going to invest my time and my money and, and, and my efforts. This is what I'm going to do. If you need that, just say to the Lord, empower me by your spirit. Embolden me to do the work of God. Don't be afraid to be a bridge builder. You know, some of you may have come off of a few days that were really tough, emotional for you with family that has issues. Maybe there's some memories you wish you could put away. I just want to say this. Trust that God is at work even when you don't see it or it doesn't feel like He is. He is at work trust him. And I want you to give him that issue. If you have a, a relationship issue and you need to hand it off to God, I want you to just do that right now. Lord, we give you these issues. We recognize that we can't fix them. But we need a vision. We need a dream. We need empowerment. We need you. We need you. So breathe in us again, Lord. Breathe in our hearts. Renew our minds and let us feel this release that comes from you. The last thing, I just have to have this at the end here. If you have God in a box, would you let him out? Let him out the best that you can. Right here tonight, just say, God, forgive me for all those little things that I've kept you from doing because of my view of God. God sees the world, you guys. God knows what's going on in horrible places and in dark places. But God is still God and God is still working. And don't give up on God because he has a plan. Father, thank you for your son Jesus and for your big plan. We offer our lives afresh and anew. Thank you for opening our eyes to this amazing story. Show us how you're going to use us in a new story in this community or around the world as we trust you, as we journey, even in uncomfortable situations with people we might not understand. Show us how to plant seeds that you want us to plant. For the glory of God, we pray these things. And everybody said amen. Amen. Love you guys so much. So proud of you. Thankful for you. And thanks for coming to church on Thanksgiving weekend. You know, appreciate that, especially as cold as it is out there. And we'll continue on next next weekend. Uh, look forward to that. Ushers are going to come right now. We're going to receive our regular offering. You guys, thank you for uh, being generous and for giving through Timberline, for believing in our mission. It makes a difference. And um, we're able to do a ton of stuff. This is a real taxing time at the end of the year for us financially because we are giving so much away. And we say yes to things. We're like, can we do this? <laughs> Let's hope so. God will help us. So thanks for that, guys. I mean, it's a blessing. Look, are we going to sing a song? Lord, thank you that we can give. We give with a generous heart and with a love and with a joy. In your name, amen. Amen.